Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. The Annie Fry Show YouTube live chat poll of the day is sponsored by Ruler Foods. Low prices, no coupons. Ruler Foods. That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God someone here knows what they're talking about. That's a- All right, you need to take the time and get the full picture. Don't get me wrong. I love the ladies. I mean, they rev my engine, but they don't belong in the newsroom. It is Anchor Man, not Anchor Lady. This is the Annie Fry Show. I don't know the level of the president's personal knowledge of his medical uh, situation, and that, that would really be between, be between the, the two men. Uh, your, your question about that elective procedure is really better directed to the Pentagon, not, uh, not to us. I want to make sure I put a fork in my answer to you. There is no, uh, uh, no plans for anything other than for... Secretary Austin to stay in the job and continuing the leadership that he's been exude, that he's been demonstrating. That's John Kirby talking about Secretary Lloyd Austin, who was MIA on the job and nobody knew it. This is a really wild story that has developed over the course of this weekend. I'll tell you the Fox News story. You probably heard a little bit about this so far, but just to bring everybody up to date, the White House and President Biden has, quote, full trust in Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin as calls mount for the defense leader to resign or be fired in light of his quiet hospitalization in an intensive care unit that even the White House was unaware of for days. A White House told Fox News Digital on Monday morning that President Biden has no plans to replace Austin and continues to have full trust and confidence in the secretary. This is a very bizarre development over the weekend, and it, it's kind of, I think the most Confusing thing to me is how it seems as though different factions of the government who should be operating at the most high levels, at the most, I guess, secretive levels, maybe say the CIA, should understand the whereabouts of one another. And the Secretary of Defense, which from what I've heard in reports today is sixth in the chain of command, went to have an elective procedure at the end of December, came home 
experienced pain, was admitted, readmitted to Walter Reed and was in the ICU. And the president of the United States didn't know about it. And he reported himself as working from home. I think that's an issue. It's disconcerting for me. I don't know the ins and outs of those types of operations as a very much so civilian in the middle of the country. So we're going to go to an expert to talk about that. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Dakota Wood is going to be with us in 15 minutes or so to give us kind of the brass tacks foundational understanding of what happens if somebody at that high of a level is incapacitated. And, you know, we've spent go almost, well, I guess four years now watching people be able to very much so work from home. Does the Secretary of Defense have the ability to work from home, to work from a hospital bed, and everything is fine? Do we believe that the president can just not know about something like that and it not be a huge breakdown in the order of business in the national defense of the United States of America? It, I, I think that this story, the story to me has alarm bells ringing all over it. And the more drastic those alarm bells, the more I want to make sure that we talk to somebody who understands exactly where this breakdown uh, affects people like you and me and our ability to have a safe and secure country, which is why we want to have an expert come talk to us at about 1225. So you're going to want to keep it right here. The YouTube live chat poll for today. Uh, Brad, I'm looking forward to asking you this one. Who will win the Iowa caucus? <laughs> Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, or someone else? Every day we do a live chat poll, which is really excited because in 2024 it's sponsored by Ruler Foods, which is great because we do it every day and Ruler Foods is there to uh, keep those prices low for you every day. So it's cool to have a sponsor on that. Thank you to Ruler Foods for that. But the uh, poll for today, where what you do is you go onto YouTube and get to YouTube from anywhere, your phone, uh, your computer, your desktop, laptop, whatever. Type in Annie Fry in YouTube and you'll see our channel there and you'll see that we're broadcasting live. So you can come watch us and say hello and comment along with the discussion as we move through the day. We interact quite a bit with it. Uh, we might read your comments on the air, so on and so forth. But we do this poll every day and it pops up in the live chat of the live broadcast. And today's is who will win the Iowa caucus? Trump, DeSantis, Haley or someone else? Brad? <laughs> I'm still DeSantis. You think you really think he's going to pull it off? I do think that he's going to pull it off. It would be one of the biggest news stories. <laughs> It'd be the biggest news story of 2024 so it far. It absolutely would. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Maybe. I don't want to throw that out there either to be wrong. Why do you think, I mean, I know that this was a bold prediction that you made mm -hmm. when we were uh, making our 2024 predictions on our Christmas tree ornaments, which are displayed still in our in our office. Why do you think, DeSantis, why are you willing to go out on that limb? Why am I willing to go out on that limb? I just, it's... It's like a gut feeling based on some little like side evidences that I'm seeing on social media, mainly off of social media and and responses from the Trump campaign and stuff like that. So it I remember Donald Trump when he was campaigning 2016, 2020, he was filling auditoriums like not not small spaces, big spaces. Mm -hmm. He would go to arenas and whatnot and he would fill them to the roof. Lately, I'm noticing that when he's doing campaign events in, Ida, in, in Iowa, he's doing them and he's filling them, but he's doing them like in high school gyms. Yeah. Filling them more than Hillary Clinton ever filled a high school gym. Don't get me wrong. But it's like for Donald Trump, eh, that's not like his usual stuff. And then the other side of it is, is I'm watching kind of almost like the, the Trump team on social media 
laying the groundwork for this to actually have been closer than what they expected. Either they're hedging? Yeah, they're a little hedging their bet. And it's like, oh, if this happens, it's going to be like this. But everybody's going to say, oh, see, Donald Trump didn't have it. But he still won and blah, blah, blah. So I've seen what I know what you're saying about the high school gymnasiums, although I think that doing this stuff in a high school gym is like the most Iowa thing ever. Mm -hmm. So you can't have a huge auditorium in every county across Iowa. So the 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 ability to fill an auditorium is limited based on the availability of auditoriums that are huge enough or, you know, big venues. I don't I, I hmm. I think Trump wins. I don't think Trump wins by as much as I think the thing that the Trump campaign is hedging on, and I do agree with that for sure. I think the Trump campaign is getting prepared to defend a smaller margin of victory than what the polls have been saying. And I think that the the push on the Trump campaign to constantly talk about how Everybody should just drop out of this race. They shouldn't even be in here. The polls have already determined the the RNC should should make Donald Trump the nominee. We should move on. That that uh, campaign talking point is really over because we are one week away from the Iowa caucuses, mm-hmm. which Brad and I are going to be broadcasting live from here on Monday. I know it's a holiday for a lot of people. We're going to be in studio to make sure that we cover the news as it happens. So. Uh, if you get the day off, maybe that's the first day that you pop us up uh, on home on the YouTube or keep us on the radio and, and follow along as the developments happen there. The Iowa caucus is, well, let's let's get a, let's get a guest on to give us like a, a foundational explanation of what it's like at the Iowa caucus, because it is okay. it is not what you experience as somebody who just goes and votes in a primary because a caucus is different than a primary. Some states caucus, some t- states primary. My understanding is Missouri is going to uh, a version of mm-hmm. a caucus. So it's different. And you might be interested to to find that out. I think Donald Trump's lead is insurmountable for Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. I think that one of the most interesting things about this campaign that is completely secondary to the Trump factor is how much Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley have distinguished themselves from one another. Because at first, this primary uh, was really about Trump or not Trump. And you were either for Trump or you were for someone else. And Ron DeSantis has really been able to establish himself as not Nikki Haley. And I wouldn't have, that's not where I would have seen the emphasis going early on. And, you know, a lot of the accusations about Nikki Haley and and who she is and who she represents and who she doesn't represent. There has been a, a successful campaign against Nikki Haley that has actually kind of come from both the Trump and DeSantis camps as well. Well, I can tell you, uh, I am not going to accept that under any circumstances. You know, I'm running for president because I think we need somebody that can win um, and get the job done. Uh, But I would much rather uh, do my final two years as governor, uh, 25 and 26, uh, than than be vice president. I don't think it's a position that that offers uh, much. Well, it doesn't say it in that clip, but he's referring to being Nikki Haley's vice president in that clip, not Donald Trump's uh, vice president. No interest whatsoever in serving on a Nikki Haley ticket. I don't know. I don't. He said it. Nikki Haley said that she wouldn't challenge Donald Trump. And here she is challenging Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis has 
and and here's where Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, their Venn diagram intersects because they continue to talk about Nikki Haley's word is chaos, how chaos follows Donald Trump everywhere he goes. And, and she always adds that this is how she tries to appease the Trump voters who don't like Nikki Haley. Uh, she tries to say, you know, warranted or not, chaos follows Donald Trump wherever he goes. Well, here's the Ron DeSantis line. On I that. think that, um, you know, we have an opportunity. One of, you know, one of the reasons I'm running is I think the Republicans, we have a great shot to win uh, if we frame the issues about uh, the problems facing the country, the failures of the Biden administration, and how we have a great uh, set of ideas to, to turn the country around. And I've shown how that can be done in Florida. Um, I think if we're relitigating the, the past elections, if it's about, you know, Donald Trump or his legal issues, or criminal trials or all that stuff, you know, I think it's going to be a really nasty election. I don't think that puts Republicans in a good position to win. Uh, so we, we need to have a, a, an election on the issues. You know, we need a candidate that can win a clear-cut victory, um, and we need to start looking forward as a country. So I think that Ron DeSantis's message is accurate on that. I do think that uh, should Donald Trump get the nomination, which I believe is very likely to happen, that it's going to be very, very nasty. And in Nikki Haley's words, there will be a ton of chaos. But Donald Trump has been out of office for going on four years now. And the Democrats are the ones who keep the chaos front and center. They feed off of it. They leech off of it. Listen to, is it Capehart? Jonathan Capehart of MSNBC? I don't know who that is. But he's on MSNBC. So that means he's of, I'll say it this way, some relevance. And now on the Andy Fry Show. I'm going to try to get through this. Um, Thank you for what you did three years ago today. Um, Please tell me your thoughts um, on this third anniversary. I'm sorry that he hurts. He's talking about the anniversary of January 6th. People. (laughs) Um... I, I, I was I put this in a tweet. I wrote it out. Man, one day I should write a book, and it's the tweets I didn't send. <laughs> That's what I should call it. Because those are my best tweets, and I don't send them. Because I always know if I put this out there, it's probably going to get taken the wrong way. And then I'm going to have people yelling at me, saying something stupid like, Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie, and I don't think it is. But that's, that's maybe my most trafficked tweet in the history of tweets. And I tweeted it out, I think it was my last night of work before Christmas break. I watched Die Hard for the first time. I said the movie was absurd because it's absurd. But I wasn't mad at it. I didn't insult the movie. Nobody's watching Die Hard going, this is exactly how everything would go. Nobody's watching it that way. And the second thing I said was uh, an unforgivable sin that Die Hard wasn't a Christmas movie. The second thing that I tweeted, uh, wrote to tweet and didn't end up tweeting, which maybe I should have considered for the Die Hard tweet, was that I actually think that January 6th, this is the third anniversary of where the Constitution and democracy in our republic actually proved it's strong enough to fight off against either insurrectionists, if you will, Or the possibility that exists that feds were a part of that whole operation. And all I want to do is see the people who are in charge of the FBI say, no, there weren't feds in charge or involved. Just tell us no. When you're under oath and you've been asked if there were feds involved, nobody has ever said no. So I have questions. Regardless, whether it was an inside job or an outside job, Guess what? Joe Biden is the freaking president, which means to 
Democracy won! And you guys are crying and whining like little babies on MSNBC over the fact that uh, that uh, this this just hurts you so much. To th- what is wrong with you people? We've we've seen riots and people shutting down streets and burning down build uh, businesses that are irreparable. I was just casually. I'm like Forrest Gump in this regard. On my way home from fleeing to the state of Florida when Ron DeSantis reopened Florida in June of 2020. We're on our way back from a a trip to Florida that we planned the week we took it. Driving through Atlanta when they shut down, was that 75 or 95? I believe it's 75. Whatever. Big highway through Atlanta. They walked out onto the street and shut it down. The Wendy's, I think it was, that they burned down in Atlanta. We got off the highway because we couldn't take the highway because there are people on it. And we drove literal blocks from that Wendy's. Two hours before they burn the thing down. Nobody's crying about that. Nobody's nobody's sobbing on the air we, uh, an- on the anniversary of, of the travesties that have taken place over the course of our recent history when riots were involved. No, they're encouraging more. It's, un- it's unreal. And it just begs the question, why do you need January 6th so much? It... I mean, in the effect of saying that democracy needed to be protected, if you're on the side of Joe Biden and Joe Biden has been your president, an awful one, I might add, but he has been the president for all of these years. Then democracy worked. How can you come to any other conclusion? But you got to remind people that three years ago, I don't know, some things, some people did things. Is that how the is that how the quote goes? That's what she said. You people on MMS, um, MSNBC. I got to Google that guy. I got to see if his face is sad as his voice. I don't know. I, I, I didn't take a moment on Saturday, January 6th to reflect on that. I was just happy it was Saturday. <sighs> well, Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, has been working from home. And by that, I mean an ICU bed at Walter Reed. And we don't really know what's going on. And I don't really know what the implications are. And I'm a little bit hesitant to listen to the Republican side of the aisle. Look at this as an opportunity to dunk on the administration. Why? Because I don't know enough about how these operations work at this Pentagon level, the highest levels of national defense that this country needs to maintain. I've never been there. I don't know anything about it. It seems like it seems pretty freaky to me. So I'm going to go to somebody when we return here, retired Lieutenant Colonel Dakota Wood, uh, who I love talking to him about these types of military and national defense issues because he knows. So let's get the expert on to answer my questions and yours if you want to pose them to us on the Andy Fry YouTube channel right now and answer that YouTube live question. Who will win the Iowa caucus? We'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I wasn't aware of his um, uh, medical issue. Uh, in fact, I, I talked to, to Lloyd last weekend uh, for this incident. Um, and I know that he's put out a statement addressing it. Um, what I can say is this, it has been, it remains one of the great privileges of my career over 30 years now working in, in government uh, to serve alongside Lord Austin. So that is Antony Blinken, Secretary of State, talking about the his reaction to the information that was released that Secretary Lloyd Austin had been in the hospital. And it seemed as though there weren't really many people who knew that that was the case, including the president of the United States. Now, I have seen multiple reports, uh, headlines specifically, that say Republicans outrage. And then they fill in their version of the absence of the national or the secretary of national defense or secretary of defense being missing. Is this a Republican issue? Is this a political issue or is this a actual national defense issue? I have no idea. That's why I want to bring on an expert, retired Lieutenant Colonel Dakota Wood, senior research fellow for defense programs at the Heritage Foundation, is an actual expert, unlike me, who has a lot of questions with very few answers and doesn't want the political side of it. Uh, Colonel, thanks for being back with us. It's good to have you. Uh, You know, it's always good to be with you, especially at the beginning of the year. As far as the word expert, boy, that is loosely used these days, huh? Yeah, don't don't challenge me. That's what I'm going with with you because I've I've, proven it time and time again. Can you give us some, like for people who want their political itch scratched here, the the people are losing their minds. But the more I think about this, the more it feels like this is not good for the security of the country. What's the operational concern, if any, of what took place this weekend? Yeah, there's a domestic side to this and there's a foreign side to this. It was certainly irresponsible or just not clear thinking. Austin is known as a very, very private individual. He doesn't like to burden folks. He carries his own bags, those sorts of things. But when you are appointed to be secretary of defense, I mean, that's the sixth in line to the presidency. Right. So, um, I mean, you, you can't just live this completely private life. Uh, you know, in those circumstances. So, you know, the, the military itself needs to know where the boss is at at all times. I mean, if you can imagine a corporal or a captain in one of the services disappearing for four days and nobody knows where he's at, you know, and, and so, you know, that person would be called upon the carpet and punished in some ways, right? For the, for the, um, for the president or the vice president or any other cabinet officer to not know where the secretary of defense is for three or four or five days, you know, whatever that duration is, depending on who we're talking about, says something about the internal coordination 
and who's tracking who just in daily conversations. You've got the war in Ukraine. You've got the war going on in Gaza. You've got China doing crazy stuff. You have a near-nuclear Iran. Uh, you know, the world is just a very complicated, dangerous place, and the Secretary of Defense goes missing. Uh, you know, the, the, the Joint Chiefs don't know where he's at, the combatant commanders presumably, meaning, you know, uh, UCOM and Indo-PACOM and AFRICOM, et cetera, the regional commanders for the U.S., uh, it's just very stunning. So it appears that there is a, a not good communication system in place in terms of people sharing information and awareness, right, on domestically. And then if you're outside the U.S., you know, if you're in Moscow or Beijing or Tehran and you hear about this, you got to be scratching your head saying, are you kidding me? I mean, what does this say about the U.S. military? So it, regardless of Democrat or Republican, you know, outrage is completely overused in D.C. Everybody is outraged about everything. But I think just in terms of perception and the functional levels of power and who knows what is going on at the highest levels of government, this is a clear breach of responsible conduct. And, and you know, clearly we, we, we want to know what's happened. In addition to why was he in the hospital in the first place? You know, that hasn't been answered either. Yeah. We're speaking with retired Lieutenant Colonel Dakota Wood. I uh, can't I, I feel like you can't quite compare if if I had to take a day off. People don't need to know my business. I get to take a day off and somebody's yeah. got to be out there to cover me. Uh, I think that if you were in a public capacity the way. Uh, Austin would be and at that highest, highest level. It's just bizarre that so publicly we're finding out that the president of the United States didn't know and these other individuals didn't know. Is there a practical explanation that maybe isn't as salacious as just incompetence in the communication department as to why that might have happened? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, the most generous way is he's just private, went in for some kind of procedure, not a big deal. Let's not alarm everybody. We'll take care of things. Uh, Some kind of complication happens, goes by ambulance to uh, Walter Reed National uh, Military Medical Center up in Bethesda, Maryland, and and it uh, is introduced, you know, inducted to handle this pain. So, you know, that could have been a few hours. But when you're in the hospital for a few days, his aides, his his deputy, uh, military assistants, I mean, there's a whole bunch of folks that surround a senior official, Secretary of Defense, Secretary of the Navy, you know, you name it, right? And they would know what's going on. And somebody, his chief of staff, should have said, wouldn't it be a good idea, very quietly, just to let the president know, you know? And and Kathleen Hicks, who's the deputy secretary of defense, apparently didn't know that her own boss was in the hospital for two or three days, depending on the report that you read. So this kind of observance of protocol and just people thinking about what needs to occur at that level wasn't happening. So the other generous thing was it's just complacency, right? That, you know, the the Department of Defense doesn't stop working. Uh, Airplanes are flying, ships are sailing, people are training. So what does it matter that the Secretary of Defense, you know, isn't talking to somebody all the time? And if he's not calling you, well, how do you know he's not calling a thousand other people, you know, during the same day? So, who would take notice of this absence? And it can kind of get lost in the myriad activities that occur on a day-to-day basis. But at that most senior level, the sec death <laughs> going missing for four days or more, it's just astounding. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, there should be accountability back to Congress um, as a mechanism for you know, informing the public. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling for somebody in yeah. my position that doesn't understand the 
operations. You know, I know how radio works. I know if people are missing, if people need to miss a day or something like that. I know how we mm-hmm. cover our bases. I know how we have to put, uh, y- y- it's kind of, people call it how the sausage is made. You know what goes on behind closed doors. But those yeah. closed doors belong to the American people still. And when the administration isn't informed, it makes me concerned that there could be other areas where the communication is is breaking down. And as you listed, uh, Lieutenant Colonel, there are a lot of things taking place in the world right now that require the full attention of our national defense team and the president of the United States. Do you believe that this is going to weigh heavily on our at least public perception that we've got our acts together here in this country on that and on that front? Yeah, I think that perception, it's just one more knocking out, uh, you know, one of the little bits of a Jenga tower, you know. So, uh, you know, we've had recruiting crises. We've had uh, reports of uh, mischief by senior officials either doing their jobs or not doing their jobs. We've got readiness problems. We have backlog maintenance in Navy shipyards. Uh, We have the Army. It's the smallest it's been since prior to World War II. Uh, it's reduced in size by something like 40,000 soldiers just in the last year and a half, right? So there are all these issues. And then if you thought worst-case scenario and you had something to do with nuclear weapons, the Secretary of Defense is second to the president. You know, the president would order use of, goes to the Secretary of Defense, and then that, you know, command is is issued on down the line. So in a worst-case scenario, if you don't know where your secretary is or if it takes a few hours you know, to take that off and a missile flight from Russia to the U.S. is 33 minutes long. Uh, you know, so time is a real issue. And, and if you want to be a private person, I get that. Don't become the president. Don't become the secretary of defense. You know, don't become the secretary of state. I mean, you give up some of those things for the obligation to do the things that you're expected to do. Since I have you on the on the phone, if you do have sure. one more minute to indulge me, I, I this was kind of developing as you and I were speaking here. But the secretary of state, Antony Blinken, uh, on the on the tarmac, ready to board a plane, it seems, has just stated that he that, that we are supporting a Palestinian state. You might need more information to comment fully on that. Mm-hmm. But uh, to see the secretary of state making those types of comments, do you have any reaction to that? Well, it's long been Washington, D.C. talk to support a two-state solution, so a Palestinian state and, of course, the state of Israel. And it's kind of this mythical mirage sorts of things that foreign policy types like to chase. What, what it's based on is the premise that Israel would accept a Palestinian state right on its borders, more likely than not that they, depending on the conditions— would the Palestinians be happy to have their own country alongside of Israel? And if you look at the last 40 or 50 years of constant attacks of the state of Israel, and especially following October 7th, you know, does it seem reasonable that if you had the West Bank and the Gaza Strip uh, retitled as its own independent country, that somehow they would be happy? with that arrangement and they wouldn't continue to attack you know the state of Israel and eliminate it so they could have this Palestine from the Jordan River to you know the Mediterranean Sea. So it seems very, very unlikely unless organizations like Hamas uh, repudiated their own promise to eliminate Jews and to eliminate you know the country of Israel. For so for Anthony Blinken to say we support a Palestinian state, it's easy to say, in the current circumstances, impossible to execute. That sounds like a political statement to me, then, rather than an actual policy statement. 
they're trying to pressure Netanyahu, the prime minister there in Israel, to, to bring these hostilities to a close. But again, Netanyahu and his cabinet and Israelis in, in particular, you know, in general, um, are still dealing with missiles coming in from Hezbollah out of southern Lebanon and rockets and missiles, etc., and attacks uh, and bombs coming from Hamas out of Gaza and then Iranian-backed uh, militia groups in Syria. So they're still dealing with that reality that the United States wants Israel to kind of hold its fire and, and stop trying to chase down terrorists, right? So it's easy, again, to kind of comment from the sidelines when you're not the one being bombed. And it's a completely different reality if you're inside of Israel dealing with what truly is an existential crisis, you know, the elimination of the state of Israel. And that, that's the world that they're dealing with. Well, we are so grateful to have your time today to talk about these two important issues. Dakota Wood, thank you for being here with us. We look forward to another conversation with you soon. Absolutely. God bless. Thank you. God bless you as well. Happy New Year. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Dakota Wood, Senior Research Fellow for Defense Programs at the Heritage Foundation. Great to have him on and to see that news developing as the Secretary of State was speaking there, saying that the West Bank and Gaza should be united and that they support a Palestinian state. Hold on tight. As I said, sounds like a political statement to me because now they've put it out there and that might appease a, a faction of the Democratic Party that wants to hear more of that talk. Is it practical? Uh, it seems like the lieutenant colonel there doesn't believe so. And I don't talk to many people who are on the inside of, of those types of negotiations who believe it will either. We'll sit and wait and we'll cover it as it continues to develop. Let's get Ryan Wiggins in studio here when we come back for Wiggins America weekend Monday roundup. As he said, if he doesn't report on it, it didn't happen. Ryan Wiggins, we come back. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Well, it's the Monday Roundup, and uh, just wanted to let you know that I have a whole bunch of stories here that maybe you, you haven't heard yet. That's quite the sachet that you have going in that. Is that your favorite song? Oh, I love that song, yeah. Obviously. Uh, my, no, look, my hips do a different type of talking. My mouth does one type, my hips do another type. It's, your hips are mumbling. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> well, I'm one of two people who saw what you just did. Yeah, well, you should have seen me when I was younger. My hips could could scream. <laughs> the older I get, though, yeah. get a little rickety. <laughs> that was that noise. Now, yeah. <laughs> click, 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 click. Say, That's house, my new hip. His house sounds like, or his hips sound like an old house in a windstorm. Isn't it funny when people meet you and they're like, "Oh," because <laughs> people meet when people meet me and they go, "Oh yeah." Sometimes they go, "Do you guys plan any of that?" I'm like. No, I just walked in. I wasn't even dancing. You just threw this at me. You're just like, here's what you're doing now, right? Well, that's right? exactly what I said. That was not dancing. <laughs> if I, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. If I was moving during that song, I didn't even notice it. So, it, it was the clicking that gave it away. Is that what it was? Yeah. I thought anyway. that was my jaw. <laughs> All right. These are stories that may have uh, slipped through the cracks. I wanted to point some out that I think are noteworthy. first one is that today... 
marks the first U.S. moon lander launch in 50 years. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> so you accept the originals, but not today's. Yes. <laughs> Have you seen the filters these days? That is not yeah, what so you, you think. Look this like. is AI. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's the easiest it's ever been to not land on the moon. Well, that's that's very true. Uh, supposedly, I'll add then. Allegedly. Uh, the, yeah, allegedly, the first U.S. lunar lander in more than fifty years rocketed toward the moon. Today, it actually launched just after 2 o'clock in the morning. Let's do the rest of our news stories in 2024, starting with allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Actually, that would probably be more accurate. <laughs> yeah, we would be the most accurate reporters yeah. in the business. This comes from NBC. So allegedly. Allegedly, <laughs> Lloyd Austin was working from home. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the, the difference here is that this is still NASA funded. If you love taxpayer funded stuff, you're going to love this. NASA is giving companies money to build and fly their own lunar landers now. So this is a company from Pittsburgh that has accepted millions of dollars from NASA, which is, of course, sourced from you. Uh, but now it's because they're acknowledging that some of these companies are doing a better job than the government can at building these rockets. The goal of these private companies is multifold, but one of them is to get you to go to the moon. So I always <laughs> literal breaking news on my phone. <laughs> uh, a U.S. lunar lander that successfully launched from Florida on Monday in hopes of becoming the first American craft to touch down on the moon in more than 50 years has suffered an anomaly during flight. Oh, no. Really? Right now? <laughs> Told you it was allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did launch. It's just apparently launch. not going to make it. Well, so you only reported the launch, not the landing. That's correct. Okay. It was launched. So you were accurate in your reporting. That's right. Uh, but yeah, I was accurate in my predicting. The yes, you were. <laughs> well, does that does that mean for sure that it's not going to make it, or is it just having some trouble? We can report on it later. Okay, <laughs> allegedly. Would you ever? <laughs> would you ever consider going into space? Heck no! Oh my gosh, I'm not even comfortable leaving the country. Oh, that's true. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, really? No, what? I have no desire to leave this planet. Like I would consider it if the planet was about to blow up, and this was my only chance at surviving. But nah, outside of I'm going that, with the planet. Nah. Really? Even if it's Noah's Ark off the planet, you're you're staying here. Why are you surprised by any of this? I because I don't know. I just thought it would be cool. I I'm well, kind of we torn. are not surprised that you think that would be cool. I don't know if I would want to go all the way to the moon, as if going to space is safer. It's probably a little longer to the moon, but I'm like, oh, I, I might do space if I were given the opportunity. Mm -mm. It just seems I like I won't even would be do so mission cool. space. <laughs> <laughs> that is a ride, and that is true. <laughs> I, I can't do mission space. That thing makes actually. This is two in the weeds. That, Go on, it, it, move. It, it was gr it was great, but it made me almost want to throw up. Speaking of uh, the mood that we're all in, why winter makes women grumpier than men? Hey, rude! A poll now of I'm grumpy. Look 2011. See, allegedly. A, uh, allegedly, a poll of 2011 adults found that six in 10 females, as in 60%, admit to being in a bad mood between December and February, compared to just 48% of males. This is from GQ. Uh, this is from some random journal. Uh, miserable weather was the top reason women felt this way, 87%, while men blamed it for her lack of sunshine. Miserable weather. That's <laughs> just the local convenient excuse. 42% of all adults are imminently likely to book a holiday or vacation to give them something to look forward to, with 30% more inclined to do so th this time than they were five years ago. So, Annie, why are you in such a bad mood? 
It's the weather. Fair enough. It's cold. A I hate ma- the cold. I, I do too, but well, it, that tracks. This this time of year, I don't know. It's 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 almost as if you expect that this is going to suck. So you kind of go into it going, yeah, well. This, no, that's just if you live in a cold place. It's just January. A mammoth 525-pound bluefin tuna was caught outside of Tokyo and was purchased by a sushi chain in Tokyo for $800,000. Right? Yeah. Those things are a lot of money. I didn't know that there was this huge industry. I saw pictures of these massive tuna. You thinking about getting into it? Yeah, I'm kind of interested in ice fishing now. You don't fish for them in the ice. You fish for them in the ocean. Well, it's cold right now, though. In Japan? <laughs> off the coast of Japan? Stop it. Brad, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I know he doesn't. This is all allegedly. Allegedly. So allegedly. No, I, I guarantee he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> $800,000, though, is not the most ever paid for a tuna. The record was set in 2019, back when the economy was pretty good, <laughs> when Kiyoshi Tuna King Kimura, a Japanese sushi restaurant chain owner, Paid 333 million yen, which is $3.1 million for a 613 wow. pound bluefin tuna. How many million? 3.1 million. That's what I was thinking. Holy cow. Wait, you knew this? Yeah. No, I'm I'm a <laughs> I'm a dork and I follow it. I like fishing. And so like anytime I see gigantic fish caught, I'm like, oh wow. And then they're like, like, look at the size of that tuna. And then it's like Three million dollars. I, I know. I feel like I'm in a Family Guy episode. <laughs> Explain. No, just go back and listen to the last sixty seconds of the show. That actually does it. That's a good explanation. Thank you. Uh, yeah, the tuna looks. Oh, uh, the guy who paid three point one million said right after buying it, the tuna looks so tasty and very fresh. But I think, <laughs> but I think I did too much. <laughs> Revealing that he thought he had paid five times more than he should have. Oh, no, I overpaid. For that. (laughs) Last one I'm going to sneak in here before we get to the top. Cameron Diaz breaks her silence after being named in Jeffrey Epstein's documents. Uh, Her publicist actually said Cameron never met Jeffrey Epstein, nor was she ever in the same place as him or had any association with him whatsoever, regardless of the fact that he may or may not have mentioned her name or implied that he knew her. That's the case, actually, with a lot of the names in this batch of documents that came out, that apparently Epstein was saying that he knew all these people, and then once they'd say, oh, do you? He'd say, yeah, but they I've never actually been anywhere with them or... Like, I've seen him in a movie? Yeah. Is she one of Charlie's Angels? Yes, she was. She was. Other ones, Leonardo DiCaprio, Bruce Willis, and others all seem to have no actual association with him. Well, let's take a quick break. We're going to get an update from Steve Moore when we come back on The Economy and Congressman Mike Bost on Illinois trying to get Trump off the ballot. Are you surprised? We'll be right back. Get more at 971talk.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 